0: Welcome back to A Week, brought to you by New Frontier Data, where we deliver top headlines in cannabis and hear experts weigh in on the impact these stories are having on the industry. I'm your host, Abby Kaufman, and it is my honor to introduce our guests for this week's episode on the future of cannabis-infused products, Luke Anderson, who is the co-founder of Can the cannabis-infused social tonic brand that is reshaping social drinking with a range of micro-based non-alcoholic beverages. Luke, thank you for joining us today. I'm a big fan of your products. Thanks for having me. And along with Luke, we are also joined by Mr. Gary Allen, New Frontier Data's CEO. Welcome back to Canna Week, Gary.
1: Thanks so much, Abby. And Luke, uh, nice to meet you and, and, and welcome to our show. Nice to meet you as
2: well.
0: All right. So to dive right in, uh, Consulting.us recently published an article uh, titled U.S. Legal Cannabis Market Shows Strong Fundamentals for Growth. So 14 states have legalized recreational cannabis. By 2025, more than half of the U.S. population will be living in a legal use adult-use cannabis state. So with a strong performance in 2020 and increasing acceptance among the general population, the U.S. legal cannabis market's future looks bright. So in a recent survey, New Frontier data also found that for the first time, edibles outpaced joints, which was the longtime top flower product, as consumers' favorite way to consume cannabis. Luke, to what do you attribute the recent success of cannabis-infused products?
2: I, I think that it's tough for me being in the beverage space because we get categorized as an edible and if you went to the grocery store and, and someone was like, oh, you know, here are the drinks. They're some of my favorite foods. You'd be like, those are not foods. Um, but in cannabis, edibles are its own thing. And then you have to scroll down and edibles on a menu to find beverages. Um, I think beverages becoming popularized is driving uh, edible category growth, even though it is a smaller subsegment. It is one of the fastest growing, no matter how you cut it. Um, But I think that this sort of canicurious curious consumer, the more like I'm trying to get rid of some unwanted alcohol consumption and replace it with some cannabis, they're going to be more interested in things that are ingestible rather than smokable. And so as you see more newer consumers coming into the market, it makes more sense that they would be opting for uh, edibles before going into um, inhalables.
1: I I think that's a great point. I I think one of the other contributors to it, Uh, and we we mentioned it before we started the the recording today, is the the ability now, the chemical ability to take the taste profile to uh, a a smellless, tasteless ingredient instead of having edibles. Edibles of five years ago tasted like THC, they smelled like marijuana, um, and they probably had a very opposite effect of what the edible company wanted. And I think that this particular sector, this this particular category of consumable THC and or CBD, is really going to benefit from the the flavoring, right? The the social aspect, the ability to almost find the custom flavor that I like as a consumer. Instead of the stigma and/or the the experience of flour-based products.
0: Yeah, those are both excellent points. I think the innovation and then just you know familiarity of the typical kind of can of curious consumer. Those are some of the advantages that infused products may have over traditional over you know flour. So that's the opportunity. But what are some of the unique challenges that that the infused product space market faces in your opinion, Luke?
2: Well, well, first, just because you, you mentioned both of those things right next to one another, um, it's important to know that the premium canicurious consumer is the person that is most afraid of cannabis odor and taste. And so there is a convergence of the two factors that I think is really important. Uh, people like me who had a bad edible experience in college or smoked and coughed and you know had to leave a party, um, even just the smell, or or the taste even more so can remind us of those negative experiences. And if you can strip that out uh, as we do in our products, that, then it, it makes for a safer re-entry into the category. Um, I, I think the biggest challenge that the infused product space and in particular, the beverages space uh, faces is the lack of familiarity with our target consumer and the uh, channels in which they can actually purchase these products. Um, we get more DMs saying, you're out of stock at Air One, uh, or you're out of stock at Whole Foods than, you know, like, I went to MedMen, or I went to Sweet Flour. even though we would think that it, those are very, very, you know, easy to identify cannabis retailers in Los Angeles, people are still not sure if they can go and get our products at a grocery store the The CBD craze and subsequent, I think, decline in consumer interest in in hemp CBD products of all ingestible uh, and beverage varieties uh, didn't help. I think people will get confused about our products and think that they may be CBD drinks when when they're not. So this sort of consumer education bit about the purchasing experience is the biggest hurdle. And once people become more comfortable shopping at dispensaries, then, you'll see the infused uh, edibles and beverages categories take off even further.
1: You know, Luke, I actually, in, in, that, in that vein, I had a question for you around, so, because I know your particular brand, and I, and I really appreciate kind of that social attribution of your brand, right? That, that you are, you're a social drink. You're, 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 you have 24 packs for sale. You know, the pink is the new pink. You know, the things that you're doing is very much around making sure that people identify with each other in and around your brand. And I, the question is, uh, that was all for context. The question is simple that, you know, with the social constraints of this last year, right? And, and you now have a new product and we're gonna, we're gonna to talk about that in a minute. But you're launching new products, you know, kind of right at the tail end of the largest social, you know, social constriction of our society in the last, you know, 80, 90 years. You know, what's the challenges that you've kind of faced around that?
2: It's funny, COVID actually saved our business. Um, The lack of on-premise alcohol consumption environments uh, and people's subsequent Frustration with boredom, drinking at home, um, it really was a catalyst for a lot of people to experiment with mild, approachably dosed cannabis products. And I, I think probably it's important for people to experiment with them in smaller group environments, like you plus your partner, four people at a dinner party, before you end up, you know, feeling more comfortable doing it in larger group settings. So I, I think that this like Slow uh, and and eventual comfort with mass socializing around microdose THC products is is really the way it, it will become more mainstream. And uh, COVID's kind of blocking of people's large scale alcohol, let's get drunk together at a concert at a you know big private event, um, has. Been a big brand awareness generator for us, and and a big trial generator for us. So, we're we're hopeful that this period of time was an introduction to can, but it's only the very beginning of how it can be consumed socially at larger scales. We we threw a fifteen hundred person private event a year and a half ago, well before COVID. And we had an open bar where people could drink whatever alcoholic beverage they wanted. And we also had an open bar where people could drink as many cans as they wanted. A lot of people were like, well, is this going to be bad? Are people going to get crossfaded? No, it was it was great. It, it meant that people were half as drunk as they would have been otherwise. And uh, the combination of the two did not cause any incidents. No one got sick. No one got in an altercation. No fighting. For 1,500 people at a private event, open bar, cannabis and alcohol, that's it's a, a sign of how safe these two products can be um side
0: by side, absolutely, and to play off of the social aspect, you know traditionally cannabis consumption the of flour is kind of a social activity, so it's pretty um the as a brand strategy I imagine um was that a consideration at all as as kind of positioning can as a social tonic to kind of continue to have it be something that people do together without it being you know something you um
2: smoke? Yeah, it, it, it was also just from the very beginning. Um, Jake and I felt like even though recreational cannabis was the lingo around all of the legislative reform, like the adult use markets were so functional, pharmaceutical, and it really alienated people that just wanted to have fun. I remember going to a panel at BevNet, and one of the leading cannabis beverage manufacturers at the time said, hey, the only three reasons that anyone would consume a THC-infused beverage are sleep, pain, and anxiety, and anyone who tells you different is lying. And I just remember sitting there being like, that's not true. Like, I drink my product all the time just because I want to, like, have a little fun. Um, and, and I think that that's probably going to be the predominant use case for for a lot of people. That's, you know, why people drink alcohol. And I think people can use cannabis in, in a similar way. Um, so, yeah, we, we chose Social Tonic after a back and forth, like, do we call it a sparkling water? Do we call it a social beverage? And tonic was a cool word because it's something that we borrowed from the more functional wellness oriented beverage space, but we blended it with social to try to bring people back into this recreational mindset. Um, And, and, you know, blending uh, health and wellness and fun is, is what we're all about. We we think our target consumer is, Someone we like to call the healthy hedonist, uh, and and this product and the way we named it, it is really appealing to that type of person who wants to go out and close down the dance floor, but also make their eight a.m. Soul Cycle the next day.
1: So, so Luke, uh, a little bit about you know infused beverages, edibles, uh, you know, alternative delivery methods of THC and CBD. So this isn't uh, you know, this isn't just about can what are some of the other things you have to think about or products that you have to think about maybe that not that you yourself or can are going to produce but what are those kind of ancillary or or right next to products that that are along with your with your social tonic and and what do you think about for this category for your industry
2: as a founder in the cannabis beverage space um, <laughs> we get pulled in a lot of different directions and we have put the blinders up and said, no, what we do is social drinks. And that's it. People asked us to make a hundred milligram drink. People asked us to white label for gummies. People asked us if we would do like a can inspired pre-roll with lavender in it and lemon balm. Um, and people asked us to make CBD only versions of our drinks all the time. We won't make anything that does not result in a social drinking experience. Um, now what that might mean is that we take both THC and CBD out and we make a non-alcoholic non-cannabis alternative that just tastes great um, we might make a low ABV version of our drink something that gets you less drunk and helps you feel less hungover the next day because it still is within the same you know ethos of our brand of like let's be you know let's drink half as much alcohol and and be twice as healthy but have just as much fun. Um, and so I think that's really where our product roadmap will lie. Um, some some things within social THC beverage that I don't think are being done super well yet today. Um, caffeine and THC is a really interesting combo. My favorite times uh, where I drink a can are when I'm also having a shot of espresso, and I really like the combined effect because um, drinking just a CBD dominant THC microdose, you can get a little bit sleepy and chilled out. And if this is social, you want to keep the energy up. Gotcha.
0: And I mean, I, mean, I think the blinders and the focus, uh, it's clearly working very well for you all. Uh, a recent uh, press release from Green Thumb Industries um, states that Green Thumb Industries and California's number one cannabis-infused beverage can announce a partnership to expand nationally. So plenty of new consumers As we discussed, we'll soon have the opportunity to, um, you know, in in new states, new markets have have the chance to experience your products. And as uh, it was recently announced that CAN is partnering with Green Thumb Industries uh, towards national expansion. So, as infused beverages uh, are promising socially minded consumers alternatives to alcohol and they continue to become more prevalent, how important does uh, branding and marketing become?
2: Uh I mean, it's been the most important thing from day one um branding marketing is hard in cannabis because you can't really do marketing the way that you would in a traditional consumer package good. The channels just are restricted and you can't have traditional performance advertising unless you're very clever um Social media, Instagram, is really our bread and butter. We love cultivating a community there and keeping people entertained and focused on why our brand is special and different. Uh, and yet, a lot of those people are outside of states that we are able to be sold in. So, with this partnership with GTI, we can eventually get everywhere and and one by one, turn on a, a new set of consumers local to whatever state we open up, uh, and. I think, you know, our brand will be the same everywhere, but the marketing strategy is different in each state. Like how do we partner with people that really resonate in Chicago? How do we get this in private event spaces, in, um, you know, other types of social circles that are very specific to a local market? And that answer may be very different from California. Um, so it's it's like when a CPG company moves from France to Germany. It's a big culture shift, but the brand needs to stay the same. That's kind of how we look at every single um, state that we expand to.
1: I think that it's really important too for companies to understand that that simply having THC or CBD is not a marketing scheme, right? Just because you say your product has THC or CBD in it doesn't mean that people are going to buy it. And with the with the... The continual increase of options, delivery options, especially in infused beverages over this next six to 12 months, we're going to see a number of market entrants in, in the infused beverage. Uh, you know That taste profile, the marketing, the one-to-one and one-to-many um, fun educational connection that it seems you know, that, that, that uh, brands are going to have to make are going to be the differentiator. Right. And I think I think you, that's what you just said, Luke. so I'd imagine you'd agree with that statement.
2: Yeah, but uh, you said it better than I did. I, I think ultimately, <laughs> brands are what's defensible. You've seen this in every other industry. It's like, you know, Jim Beam is twice the price of cheap, random, brand doesn't mean anything, um, you know, whiskey. And it's because that brand has a story and that brand it resonates. Yeah. And that's the result of a series of decisions that were made every month in the first 20 years of that brand's development. We, you know, there will be many copycats and we wanna be the OG social tonic. We wanna be the brand that stands for what we stand for. And we want people to drink the can because they like the flavor, but also because they like what it says about them that they're drinking the can. And and that we're still in the very beginning phases of defining what that is. And finding our voice. And and uh, I think there will be a lot of exciting things to come as we continue to do that.
0: Definitely. And so, as a more mature brand, as a founder of a, a mature brand, do you have any advice or recommendations for new entrants to the infused product space?
2: Don't do it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it's impossible to get beverages to work because the channel is not ready for beverages. And the channel is telling you to make an 100 milligram drink. And just like we just talked about a brand is only as good as the specificity of its message and what it means to people Ken will never make a drink that's over five milligrams of THC and our core skew is two milligrams of THC and by staying in that range of two to five, you know, we're never going to give somebody a catastrophic bad cannabis experience. Um, and our brand will always stand for, this is a safe place to start your cannabis journey. Um, I think if you are coming into the infused beverage space be very specific about what you're trying to do and make sure you do it better than anybody else that's already on the market um and and so you know there's so many different types of alcoholic beverages that are winners and cannabis beverages will have very very many winners as well it's just about how specific is it what you're doing and how much does it resonate? And how much better is it than the next best thing that's available?
1: I think I think it's really good advice for anybody going into any market with any business. You know, stay narrow, stay deep. Right? Understand what it is you're trying to do. What what uh, what hole you're trying to to plug in any market that you're going into. And in this one especially, I think it's really. Important uh, what you said, Luke, is that know exactly what you're going to do and do it right go after it and don't you know you said earlier how you have you've turned away so many of the kind of distractions um, in our industry, whether it is uh, you know infused beverages or it's it, you know other consumable products or it's an ancillary service or product or it's lighting, you know uh, this industry is very easy to get distracted and try to be everything to everyone. And by understanding what, what again, what you're trying to address in the market, and do it the best you can possibly do, it's the only way that you're going to be successful.
2: Yep,
0: absolutely. Somehow we're close to the end of of time for the episode, so uh, I guess lastly, Luke, um, given the success 20, in 2020 for infused products overall, do you have any ex- expectations or predictions um, or final thoughts to share for for what's to come?
2: Yeah, really. It's funny that like I almost like giggled when you called us a mature brand because we've only had one year on the market. Like my my advice to everybody is this is so early innings and whatever people are saying is law in cannabis and is what sells and is what has value. Nobody knows what they're doing yet. Like we're we're still all just trying to figure it out. And so take everything that you hear with a grain of salt and do what. You want to see in the market, um, I, you know we did that and and I, I think we one day hope to be a mature brand that can say we stood the test of time and battled it out successfully to maintain our position on these dispensary shelves. Um, but it's it's just gonna it's gonna be a, a slog until we get there, so it's all buckle up and just keep trying to innovate and be authentic to what we believe should happen.
0: Absolutely, and Gary, any closing thoughts from you about uh, your expectations for cannabis-infused products in 2021?
1: Yeah, I think that uh, I think this is gonna this this will be a cornerstone vertical for the industry by the end of this year. Um, I think that the idea that flour flower may still be uh, the flower will still be a, a, a large portion of of the consumer market, however. People are looking for a different experience, and they're looking for something that doesn't have the stigma, the smell, or the possibility of an ill effect. Uh, I do like the idea that um, the consumables are micro dosing now, and and they are uh, limiting their dosing. At, you know, as Luke just said, to make sure that there's a there's a continuity in experience, and every time you use that product. Um, and I think, it, as with any consumer. A uh, consumer-focused uh, marketplace. If you can find the repeatable, desirable effect of any product, you're going to be successful. And so, I do think that we're going to see a lot this year. Um, and I do think, Luke, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that uh, you know we have you know there's there are, you you talked about some of the the challenges of of messaging to your consumers. Um, and finding the ch- the right channels for those consumers, um, data is always going to be kind of that's going to be your 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 come home spot. And and uh, we can talk about it off the air. But there's definitely ways and means for you to go and do that in an inexpensive way, but but to stay true to your brand. And and everybody in the industry should know that you know cons- marketing to consumers in this industry, while it there are some challenges, heck a lot easier than it was three years ago. True that. And it'll continue to get easier. The pace of change is accelerating.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Luke. And thank you for listening and joining us at Canna Week. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. And if you haven't already, be sure to check out Next Tech, New Frontier Data's programmatic marketing solution for the cannabis industry at newfrontierdata.com slash t e N-X-T-E-C-K. I'm your host, Abby Kaufman, and I'll see you next week. New Frontier Data provides this podcast for entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated in this podcast should be taken as legal or financial advice. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by the company. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Views and opinions expressed by New Frontier Data employees are those of the employees and do not necessarily reflect the view of the company or any of its officials. If you have any questions about this disclaimer, please contact our legal department.